Today's Bible scriptures, chapter Corinthians, chapter twelve to ten. I must go on the boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on the versions and revelations of the law. I know a man in Christ who fourteen years ago was caught up to the first heaven. Whether in the body or the outer body, I do not know. God knows. I now know that this man was caught up into the paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And you have things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. Those which I should wish to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than. He sees in me or hear from me, so to keep me from the becoming consistent because of surpassing greatness of the revelations, a tongue was giving me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me to keep me from the becoming consistent. Three times I pleaded with the gods about this death; it should be left me, but he said to me, "My grace is sufficient for me." For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the most godless of my weaknesses, so that the power of the Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of the Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, consulted, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Morning, church. It feels like we have a lot of technology issues this morning in the church. And slowly they're being fixed. Praise God.、Um, thank you, Ida, for today's、uh, Bible reading. Thank you, Satish, for sharing. I always find it a little strange. You would think that me being up here、um, on most Sundays that I'd be used to it, but when I don't have a guitar to hide behind, it's totally different.、Um, but it's refreshing. It's refreshing to be up here. Thank you for letting me come up and share with you、um, this morning.、Um, refreshing. Now, some of you may know、um, that. The Bridge Church had its inaugural, its first ever men's retreat this weekend. You can see who 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 was there this past weekend for the men's retreat? A bunch of the guys, right? Yeah, it, it was it was a great retreat for a first retreat.、Um, it was it was fantastic. It was an opportunity for the men in our church to take time away from、um, from the hustle and bustle of our lives, from that which we're used to, and to go to Muiwo and to take a step back, if you will, to have a time of refreshing and.、Um, Together we、uh, were able to share it with each other. We were re- really able to delve into the Word without any distractions. We were able to have、um, a time of devotion and a lot of heart-to-heart talks.、And、what I really liked about this is that we were able to stay up late at night and not worry about, you know, putting our kids to sleep, waking up the next day for work. We were able to sit up and talk till I think it must have been 1:30 in the morning, which I know for the youth is not that late, but for someone like me, that's really late. Speaking about the youth. When I think of retreats, as a Christian,、uh, in, in my life, as, in my Christian life, I've been to many retreats. I've been to youth retreats, which we're going to aim to have here at the Bridge as well soon. I've been to church retreats, men's retreats. But the last time I went to a retreat was when I was about in my late 20s, which is a long time ago, believe it or not.、Um, and when I was at the retreat yesterday, I felt young again because I was able to not have all these worries. Right? I was able to sit up late at night with the boys. Talk, laugh, talk some more, talk about what God's doing, and grow. And it made me feel really young. And so I really, really—I don't know about the rest of you guys—but、um, I had a really good time、um, at the retreat, and I think God was glorified、um, by that. 
Another thing we did at the retreat is when we had some free time, we decided to have a little physical activity. So we brought a soccer ball and we played some beach soccer, right? And that's the point when I realized I'm not a youth anymore. Because <clears throat> you can see the ball is right there, and I think I can reach it, but I couldn't reach it. I can't kick as hard, I can't kick as far, I can't even touch the ball sometimes. As I'm getting older now, age, maturity, I like to call it maturity, okay? Age is an indication for me that, or reminder that, you know, it's acutely reminding me of my physical weakness as I get older. And it got me thinking about the notion of strength and weakness. And that's the title of the sermon today, Strength in Weakness. So when we think about strength, what, what, what do we think of? Well, in the world we live in, we admire strong people, don't we? We admire people who are uh, talented, people who are physically strong, people who are able to overcome afflictions. We admire people who are um, well-educated, people who are good-looking, people who are leaders, people who are good speakers, people who are peer-strong. I was talking to one of our brothers yesterday, and we were trying to define what, what, you know, what, what we think about the word strong in this world. And there's many ways you can quantify it. We can talk about emotional strength. We can talk about physical strength, of course, and that's obvious. We can talk about mental strength. When we go to work tomorrow morning, on a Monday morning, who do we, who do we admire? Well, I admire someone who's able to not need as much sleep as me, who's able to accomplish more in a day because they're just focused, strong people. What about in school? Who do we think are strong people? We look up to teachers who appear strong. When I was in school, someone who was strong to me would have been the valedictorian, right? Some of you guys in school might be thinking, well, someone who is strong is probably someone who is the captain of the football team or the rugby team, who also happens to be the prefect, who is well-dressed, who happens to do well in school, who's good-looking and popular. These are the people we look up to. What's interesting is that this view of strength also permeates into the Christian culture. Believe it or not, there are preachers out there who preach the gospel of strength. And what they tell us is that God wants you to be strong. His will for you is to be physically strong and to overcome your afflictions. They also tell us that if you have enough faith, you won't be weak. And that might be a false, that might be a misconception. But let's look today at what God is telling us through this passage, particularly in 2 Corinthians, about um, weakness and strength. The title is Strength and Weakness, and today we'll be looking at three things. First of all, we'll be looking at uh, the fact that God allows us to be weak, and then we'll see that God wants us to depend on His strength, and then thirdly, we'll look at... Um, We'll see that God knows firsthand what weakness is. But before that, let's pray. Lord, thank you for, um, we, I just thank you that you're in control, Lord. Despite any um, technical difficulties or things that distract us, Lord, you are in control, God. And as we look into your word this morning, Lord, I pray that you will humble our hearts. Lord, I pray that the words that I speak, God, would not be mine. Lord, that they would be divinely inspired by you. Speak through me, Lord. Lord, I pray as we look into your wonderful word, which is a a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, God, that you would reveal yourself in amazing ways to us this morning, and God, that your word would be relevant and we would take it to heart in Jesus' name. So the first thing we're going to look at is God allows us to be weak. When we look at the passage again, um, here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, which Ida was reading earlier, Paul is talking to the Corinthians. This is his second letter to the Corinthians, and he's saying that he's a guy who has visions, now, when I think about Paul, he's, he's like a hero in the Bible, among all apostles. When, when people talk about the apostles, the first apostle that comes to my mind, I'm not sure about you, but for me, the first apostle that comes to my mind is Paul. He's a giant in the Bible, right? And Paul, 
throughout chapter 12 is telling the Corinthians that he has these visions, that he has these dreams. And that's amazing. That's a gift that I would really like to have. Um, but what's interesting is that Paul's actually, in the time, to the Corinthians, he appears weak in 1 Corinthians 4, 10 to 11. This is what it says. It says, we are fools for Christ. Paul's talking about himself in comparing himself to the early Corinthian Christians who basically got it wrong. And this is what he says. We are fools for Christ's sake, meaning I'm a fool for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak. Paul is saying he's weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we are in disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and we thirst. He's saying, I hunger and I thirst. We are poorly dressed, buffeted, and homeless. So the picture I have now of Paul is that he's not really impressive, is he, in appearance? We can start to imagine that. Homeless. Now, as I'm talking up here and as we're sitting here, imagine the door opens right now and somebody walks in and it's a homeless person. I know right now in our minds, we have, whether stereotypical or not, an image of what a homeless person looks like. Let's think about that for a second. Maybe his clothes are torn and tattered, dirty. His hair is long and shaggy. He hasn't shaved in forever. Hasn't taken a bath, so he smells. Now, if a person like that were to come in here and sit down among us, I don't know about you, but for me, the, the, the first word that I think of when I see someone like that walk in is not strong, right? We don't think of that person as being strong. Paul says he looked like he was poorly dressed, buffeted, and homeless. In 2 Corinthians 10.10, it's not up there, but I'll read it for you, or it might be up there. Um, Paul says this about how people view him. He says, his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is of no account. So evidently, Paul could write well, and we know he could write well because this is one of his letters that we're reading, and it's so well written. And throughout the New Testament, Paul's letters continue to inspire us today. He was a good writer, but he says here that his bodily presence was weak. He appeared weak and he appeared frail. He did not appear strong. He also was not a good public speaker. And we talked about what the world views as a strong person, right? A leader, a person who speaks well publicly. So God allows Paul to be weak. What God is saying here to us is that God allows us to be weak. He's, if he can allow the Apostle Paul himself to be weak, he allows us to be weak. We, not, we may not be identifying with that yet, but we will as we continue to, to look in today's uh, word. Next thing I want, I want to uh, look at is this thorn in his flesh. Let's go back to, to, to verse 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. So to keep me, this is Paul talking, to, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. Paul's having these revelations, right? He, these dreams and these visions. To keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of these revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh. Paul refers to this thorn. Now remember, Paul's a giant. Paul's a Pharisee of Pharisees. He knew the scriptures back to back. He knew it. He knew the word like the back of his hand. He's a giant. Paul had visions, spiritual experiences, dreams. What an amazing gift. And yet Paul had one niggling problem. He had this thorn and he doesn't talk much about it. He had this affliction. It's almost like an affliction. It gives you pain. And for years, for, for generations, for, for, for centuries, scholars have been debating about what this thorn is. In fact, in the Bible, it's probably the most famous affliction. It's the most famous affliction because till today, we have no idea what this thorn was, what was Paul referring to. We have no idea. But what we do know is that it bothered him. It bothered Paul. And we can see that by looking at the verse. Chapter 7, once again, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, is how he describes it. A messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me 
from becoming conceited. We also know that it hurt him spiritually, not just physically and emotionally, but physically as well, because he pleaded with God to have this thorn removed. He prayed three times to God and asked God to please remove this thing in my flesh that is stumbling me, that is hurting me, that is preventing me from focusing on you, God. And God said, no. God said, no. Now, we don't have any details about what, what, what this thorn is. We can probably try and guess. If it's physical, it might have been a toothache. Some people think it was a headache. One of the earliest interpretations of what this was was that Paul had a headache. And maybe, do any of you, us here suffer from chronic migraine? We would totally understand, right? Now, yeah. Helen, yeah. So it, it, it begins to make sense. It begins to make sense because that really gets in the way, right? I was listening to, uh, no, I was reading an article uh, from a guy named John Bloom on Desiring God this past week. Um, some of you may be familiar with him. And uh, he was sharing about a thorn in his flesh. And this is how he describes it. He says, I have a thorn in the flesh. I don't like it. I often wish I didn't have it. At times, I'm exasperated by it. It makes almost everything harder daily dogging me as I carry out my family, vocation, ministry, responsibilities, nearly everything I do, it weakens me. I often feel that I would be more effective and fruitful without it. I have pleaded with God, sometimes in tears, for it to be removed, for more power to overcome it, but it remains. If you're still thinking about a migraine, then let's keep looking at this. Because when I look at this, and I look at the thorn that was hurting Paul, I think, well, I don't think I have a thorn that pierces me that much. I don't think I can, I don't think I could feel that. But God's purpose in our thorns is the same. The thorns bother us. They weaken us. They make us feel weak. Some of us here have physical ailments and challenges. We plead to God. We ask God to take it away, but he doesn't. Some of us here have struggles. We struggle with temptation. We struggle with alcoholism. We suffer from workaholism that prevents us from spending time with our families, that prevents us from focusing on God. Some of us have sexual temptations, covetous thoughts, impure thoughts. And we know it's wrong. And we pray to God to take those things away. We ask him to show us his power and take those things away. And he doesn't. We pray that not three times, but over and over again, don't we? And God doesn't remove those things. And we end up sometimes feeling that we're weak and we can't overcome them. Church, what God is saying to us this morning is this. Sometimes, and I, I really want to underscore this, we need to remind ourselves that sometimes God allows us to be in that place of weakness. Sometimes God allows us to have afflictions. Sometimes God allows us to be persecuted. Sometimes he allows us to have bad health. Sometimes he gives us niggling problems that won't go away, little small ones. He gives us physical disabilities, mental disabilities. He allows us to be poor. He allows us to be in lowly circumstances. He allows us to be in difficult situations, to be in difficult situations that we're just not able or gifted to overcome. Now, I'm just going to pause there for a second because before I continue, I want, I want to make it clear that God's not, Paul's not saying God wants us to have that all the time, okay? He doesn't want us to always be afflicted. He doesn't want us to always be suffering because our God is a mighty God. Our God does deliver us. Our God is a healer. He does deliver us from our circumstances and he can take our circum, uh, circumstances away. But I think the key point here is this, because just as God didn't rescue Paul from his thorn, God sometimes doesn't rescue us from ours. And we need to be able to recognize that. It's good to pray. It's good to pray for one another. It's good to pray and ask God to remove these distractions and afflictions. But sometimes those prayers are not answered. 
And we don't really like to talk about the prayers that God doesn't answer. Sometimes, when those prayers are not answered, instead, instead, this is what God wants us to do. And that brings us to our second point today. God allows us to go through weakness because God wants us to depend on His strength. God allows us to go through weakness because He wants us to depend on His strength. We were talking about strength earlier, and now we're talking about His strength. What does that actually mean? Well, first, let's, uh, let's imagine for a second and it's not going to be hard in the time of COVID and in the time of um, post-protests now. When you're experiencing the loss of your job or when you're experiencing sickness, whether it's for you or somebody else in your family, maybe some of you may be experiencing difficult marriages, broken relationships. What's the gut reaction for us, our default reaction? For me, it's, I've got to work this out. When calamity befalls you, the circumstances happened to you, the first thing, the first thing I do is, I, all right, all right, I, 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 need, I need to do something about this. I, I need to persevere. I need to muster up the strength. I need to psych myself up and plan, what am I going to do now? I'm going to overcome this, right? And we do this because this is what the world expects of us, right? The world expects a strong, upright citizen to be able to do this, a mature adult to be able to do this. And we're... Um, when, when we're younger, we're, we're taught this, right? We're taught this in our schools. You've got to get your act together. I have a big confession to make. Um, I work in the airline industry, and some of us here work in the airline industry as well. And, and we know that it's one of the industries in Hong Kong that was the worst hit by COVID. It is essentially dead um, or clinging on to dear life. And about uh, four months ago, in the month of June, I was told that I'm no longer going to be paid. So you're out in the cold less. Uh, we, we can't pay you because you're, we, you're not flying. We, you can't work anymore. So we're, we're putting you on unpaid leave. For how long? Well, nine months, but maybe longer. Who knows? Is there a recovery on the horizon? Yeah, we don't know. And that's just the airline industry. I know a few of us here can really, really relate to that. And when I found out that happened, the first thing I did is I, I sat back on my couch, right? And I didn't call a friend. I didn't call my small group. In fact, my small group came knocking on my door, basically, and texting me and said, what's, what's going on? What's going on? You know, and I didn't want to hang out. I didn't want to talk. I didn't want to talk about it because I wanted to fix my problem. In my own strength, I wanted to say, all right, I've got to muster up the strength. I've got a plan. I've got to do this. I've got to save this amount. I've got to look for another job. How am I going to do this? How am I, how am I going to deal with it? And in my mind, I was thinking, when I've gotten it right and I can appear that I was strong enough to overcome it and I've got the plan, then I can call my small group. Now I can tell them this wonderful success story where I was able to overcome it. And I can't confess that to you this morning because that's basically pride. It doesn't sound like it, right? Because in the world, we kind of glorify that, right? But that's pride. And when you're weak, but you're still proud, it's difficult to rely on somebody else, right? Because we don't like to rely on other people. But that is precisely what God calls us to do here. In times of weakness, we have to accept help, His help. In particular, God's help. Let's look at verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I'll say that one more time. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. If you've been in church for a lengthy period of time, this, this is like a go-to verse, right? This is a, a verse that empowers us, that strengthens us. It's a famous verse. But we don't think about it too deeply. But God's reminding us this morning that his grace is sufficient for us. And church, we need, we need to recognize that. God's grace is there. His help is there. But it's, it's not just there. It's, it's actually enough. And it's not enough to help overcome our weaknesses, but it's enough in our weakness 
to get us through this weakness because God will take care of us and he will take care of you and me even when we pray to him and ask him to remove these afflictions from us and he doesn't. Even when we ask him to remove the thorn from our flesh and he doesn't, he's still there. His grace is enough. It's a wonderful promise, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a beautiful promise, but it's one of the hardest promises to hold on to because it's only when we're in complete weakness that we realize his grace is there. We really don't believe, and it, I think I put it up here, we really don't believe God's grace is sufficient until we believe we are sufficient. We really don't believe God is sufficient until we believe we are insufficient because that's when we need it most. In our weakness, when we accept that we're weak and we allow God to work in us, then we experience the power of his grace and we're able to move forward. And that brings us to verse 10. Verse 10, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardship, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Wait a second. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. That's a paradox. Because Paul didn't become stronger. Paul's affliction wasn't taken away. So how is he strong? And this is where we begin to see this, 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 this shift, this transformation that God's trying to evoke in us. It's a fascinating paradox because how can you be fully weak in order to be fully strong? When we fully rely on him, when we fully lean on him, that's when we're truly strong. That's what Paul's saying. That's when we're truly strong. Why? Because it's now God's strength. And that's what we talked about. We rely on his strength. Because now it's God's strength working through our weakness. When God's strength works through our weakness and we remain faithful, and even in that weakness, even in our lowly circumstances, God still works in us and we're able to turn to, the, to our brothers and sisters around us. We're able to turn to our unbelieving friends and our neighbors and we're able to tell them that in my weakness, yes, I've got this affliction. Yes, this is bothering me. But God is real. When we're able to say that because of my weakness, because I was sick, I was able to discover the grace of God. I was talking to one of the men in our church last week and he said that his uncle had a stroke and he was left partially paralyzed. And you think, oh, you know, he can't really move as much or speak as well. But when he was able to share, he said, I'm so glad I was able to have this stroke because if not for the stroke, I would not have been able to discover this amazing grace from God. That's mind-blowing. But you see what I'm talking about here, about strength. Because now it's not about us anymore. It's about God. And that's when God's glorified. And then it becomes clear to others that it's not you, it's God. And when God is glorified, we rise with him, don't we? We rise with him in, in glory. A few weeks ago, Pastor Eric talked about the J-curve. And before that, I mentioned the J-curve as well. And if, you've haven't, if you can't really remember what it is, it's basically the letter J. We've got to be weak. We've got to experience that. We've got to go through it to allow God to be glorified and then rise with him in glory. It's that J, right? It's that J. So the next time we're exasperated by the thorn in our flesh, the next time our circumstance, we're in circumstances that we can't control or we have obstacles or temptations um, that we can't seem to get rid of, we need to encourage one another. We need to remind one another. We need to look out for one another and remind each other that indeed our God's grace is sufficient for us. Our God loves us and he will take care of us. He may not deliver us from those afflictions, but he will take care of us. Now, I know it's tempting to think, you know, when you're weak, oh God, you're, you're, you're on this throne. You're looking down at me. You're, you're just sitting there. I'm here on earth and I'm, I'm suffering and I'm going through this weakness. You're not gonna understand. And it brings us to our third point today. Because actually, God knows firsthand what weakness is. Our Almighty God, who is, 
who's, you know, who's the, the breadth of his, his love and his existence can't, can't be, uh, I, I can't fathom, knows firsthand what I'm going through. He knows firsthand what it feels like. How do we know this? Because God allowed his son, Jesus, to experience weakness. Jesus is fully man and fully God. He was fully man. He was subject to the experiences and the circumstances that make us as humans weak. When Jesus came to earth, he didn't come to serve. I, I'm sorry, he didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And by default, when you're serving, that's a lowly position, right? Jesus became a servant to others. He took on a lowly position. Jesus was beaten and nailed to a cross and he was hung there and left to die. I mean, when Jesus was crucified, by all accounts, he, he, he didn't look really strong, did he? He would not have appeared strong. He sure wasn't strong enough to overcome his enemies who nailed him to the cross. His appearance was probably worse than what we talked about the homeless person earlier. Far worse. He was looked upon as a criminal. He was scorned. He was beaten. He was insulted. He was tortured. Further on in 2 Corinthians, Paul says this. He says, for he was crucified in weakness. Jesus was crucified in weakness but he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, and we will live with him by the power of God. Folks, when Jesus came to earth, he could have picked the path of strength. He could have enabled his supporters and given them moral support by appearing strong, but he didn't because that was not God's plan. That was not his mission. There was no other way. Weakness was the path for Jesus to the cross. So church, this is, this is God's purpose in our weakness. It is to glorify the grace and power of Christ. And I wasn't able to, to, to put it um, in a more profound way, so I put one of John Piper's um, quotes up here. And Piper says this, he says, God's design is to make you a showcase for Jesus's power. I think that's John Bloom. You got to go much further. Um, God's design is to make us a showcase for Jesus's power, but not necessarily the way that the market of the world demands, not by getting rid of our weaknesses, but by giving us strength, his strength, to endure and even rejoice in tribulation. How do we know we can rejoice in tribulation? Paul says it here in verse uh, 9. He says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast. I will boast. He's rejoicing here. I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. We can rejoice in tribulation. And when we realize that, when we realize we can rejoice in Jesus, we can take heart in our weakness. Because when we experience weakness in adversity, when we experience the loss of a job, when we experience the loss of a loved one, when we experience an affliction that will not go away, when we experience a thorn in our flesh, we can have confidence. We can be confident. Because what is happening to us is part of God's great purpose. It's part of his purpose, the glorification of Jesus, the power that led him to the cross. Because when we're weak, God's power shows. The power that led Jesus to the cross so that he could fulfill this perfect love mission, so that he could die on the cross for our sins. We can also take heart because throughout adversity, we know that God is with us the entire way. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. He's there for us. His grace is there available for us the entire way. And that leads to hope. And we hope for the future because we have a future. As Pastor Eric talked about, Last week, the power of the resurrection, our entire belief as a Christian, our entire belief in Jesus Christ means nothing if he didn't rise from the dead, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. So because of Jesus and his resurrection, in our weakness, allowing God to work through it, we can have hope. We can have eternal hope. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we're, we're, we're weak, Father. We're, um, we're pulled left and right by the world. 
God, we're distracted, Lord, by thorns in our flesh. We bemoan, we complain. Lord, but we forget, Lord, that your grace is sufficient for us. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, because your abundant grace is enough for us to carry us through our tough times. For those of us who have a loss of income or a loss of employment, for those of us who are having trouble with our families and our relationships, trouble at work, for those of us with afflictions, Lord, that we complain about and we wonder why, God, we want to thank you this morning because you give us the grace, your abundant grace, and that's enough for us. Lord, as we shed our prideful selves and we learn to humble ourselves before you, God, I pray that your name would be magnified, Lord. Lord, I pray that as we go through tough times, Lord, we can turn to you, Lord, and allow you to work in us, Lord, so that you will be glorified. Thank you for strengthening us each day with this supernatural strength that is yours, your strength. Not the way the world dictates it, not the way the world defines it, Lord, but the strength, Lord, to persevere, Lord. And God, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to take on this weak human form, Lord, so that you could suffer and die and rise again, Lord, that we might be set free. We might be set free. God, I pray that as we go home today, Lord, that you would, um, that that continue to resonate in our hearts, God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.